I'm Sadipta. Hi, everyone. I'm Quentin. Hello, I'm Tina. Hi, I'm Ahelia. Hey, I'm Malcolm. And, and welcome, welcome to Aura Talks. Talks. <laughs> Hello again to Aura Talks. Um, in this episode, we will be looking at what's the traditional mode of funding for UBI, so universal basic income, as opposed to the alternative way that we are trying to play with right now. Mm, let's start with the question, Quentin. What is the traditional way to fund UBI? So one of the easiest way to fund UBI will be through taxes, government taxes through um, private companies. So you give more money to the consumer that is going to consume more, so generating more money for the private companies, and the government tax is going to tax that. So it seems pretty clear from what you said that UBI is in fact promoting the system, the current economic model of generating wealth and generating growth and just focusing on production. But another way to finance universal basic income is by shifting these welfare funds to finance universal basic income. These funds are already being used for something, but if we could redistribute them across the community yeah. for this, the purpose of UBI instead of this kind of slightly more um, structured yeah. welfare program. Having said that, I don't know if you guys heard Dan B. and Jonas's previous podcast. They were talking about how they went for this conference on UBI and there were some certain people who were recipients of these UBI schemes. Once it stopped, they just felt helpless and very indignant. And in a sense, you could see that they had become passive and dependent on that money to be able to function. So these kind of top-down systems kind of make certain people more passive and they don't really break out of this into real empowerment. One thing that I do like is the way that they are reevaluating the value of human labor. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about that, Malcolm? Yeah, I mean, especially in places where the culture is that we work, not because we want to, but because we need to support ourselves. Once that incentive is taken away, we lose pretty much all need. In fact, the goal of most of us is to work long enough that we don't have to work anymore. So it's interesting that this thing is even happening in Oroville, where work is built into the culture in such a way that the road to self-discovery is through mm -hmm. our service to one another. Yeah. So in that sense, you can see how the philosophy of UBI trying to shift work from something that has to just fill your basic needs to something that could be meaningful or interesting to you really resonates with what we're trying here in Oroville. It almost makes you reconsider what your basic needs are because the thing that strikes your passion and helps you discover who you are could be considered a basic need. The other thing that I really like that I feel like there's a potential for is that maybe we can look for creative ways of taxing, which I know that they're currently thinking of, is how can we look at the way that we're exploiting nature, the way that we're treating the environment? How can we look at ways to tax people on that, which could then be funded for the UBI? You speak about environment and taxing on carbon, and which on the paper sound good, but if you implement a UBI system, you want people to consume to feed that system, right? So there is an ecological impact in just consumption. So it's it's so, a good way for sure, and it could be one way, but I don't know if it's sustainable. It's still promoting yeah, this whole exactly. idea that you need to produce, yeah. produce, produce. Mm. So, so people take the money they get and they're basically becoming consumers mm. 
through that money, mm -hmm. even if it's maybe meeting their basic needs or maybe not meeting their basic needs. So maybe we can look at what could the circular basic income do for this kind of problem of moving away from money and dependency and all of these uh, restrictions that the traditional model offers. So we're not focusing on having to produce something new and produce more to provide for these needs. We're thinking of looking at what already exists within the community so that we can hopefully recirculate it around because there is untapped potential. There's um, resources in terms of skills, in terms of talent and all these different things. And if we can tap into that and circulate it around, we don't need to create something new. We can move away from that idea that to provide for everyone, we need to keep producing. We can just look at what already exists because there is a lot that already exists, especially in Oroville, I think. So suddenly there's this shift from scarcity, there isn't enough for everybody to abundance, that let's relook at the things we have and reassess whether it's utilized to its potential, whether we can share it around, what are different creative ways we could look at it. More yeah. than that, what creative ways can we contribute to this system? Because very often we find ourselves stretching into a, sh a form that is uncomfortable in order to be usable in the current system. But in this new system, you find that the values or, or the, the skills that you currently have, the things that you are and love to do and love to give to people, suddenly now have a intrinsic value that we can utilize, that people can value and, and trade for things that uh, traditionally, we give a price to. As you said, Malcolm, there is already a div diversity and very rich pool of offering in Orville. And even if it's not existing right now, there is potentiality inside every Orvillian and everyone in the world. And there is already initiative in Orville, like sharing circle or debate group, um, any kind. Try and give yeah. Economy, yeah. So. It can be improved as just a flow and people could cooperate more just to create something more fluid for everyone. So finding an organization and all the disorganized little groups that are trying really creative, really cool initiatives yeah. in their own. Yeah, because people can't take advantage of what already exists if they don't know what already exists. So if we can kind of bring that into one centralized pool, I think it'll make it easier for everyone to feel like, okay, now this is a need that can be fulfilled for me and that there's here's someone who's doing it. In this way, it really addresses this issue of groupism that exists in Oroville, where we all know that people tend to group together based on their nationalities or how long they've been in Oroville, and they don't really have much chances to get out of those bubbles and really create longer, more lasting bonds between each other. I really feel like there's a lot of scope to expand how we can help each other and how we can share and what are the ways to make it easy for us, what are ways not to make it time-consuming for us, and really tap into something that's creative and collective. And I really think this workshops could be a medium for that. What do you guys feel about it? I think workshops are like the kind of one-way ticket to shifting a mindset. You start, you know, um, making gears work. There's an idea now in your head that's kind of like fermenting. And for this particular one that we did at last school, I think it was to realize that, wait, I actually have the potential to offer something. I'm not just a youth who doesn't really know what I'm doing. There's these ranges of things that I can do for my community. And then if everyone starts thinking like that, hopefully, then we have a very solid group, a pool of offerings for everyone to take access. But also one of the things that workshops allow us to do is to give us the opportunity to experiment with that side of our brain, which turns useless things into useful things. Mm -hmm. We're not used to 
valuing ourselves. It's everything in our lives is pretty much uh, more or less telling us that we need to be better than what we are. And while that's good to reach your full potential, what you are already is enough to help someone, mm -hmm. is enough to help yourself. And I think that these workshops, uh, without fully implementing you in a system that is relying on you or demanding uh, commitment, demanding commitment, it still gives you the opportunity to test out uh, in a certain playful way that I really like. Exactly, yeah. and in a, in a in a comfortable environment of people who are trying to do the same thing, mm -hmm. we are not used to it. It seems very easy to find uh, the way that you are useful, but it, it's not, especially considering that we're useful in so many ways and no one's ever taught us that before so now we get to discover ourselves in a small fun way what's interesting about what we're trying to do here i think is we're trying to move away from the idea that we need to produce more to provide for needs and i think if we could tap into the already existing number of resources within the community and find a way to recirculate it I think it has the potential to fulfill that wide range of needs that the community has. Because talent, skills, and willingness is never something that Oracle has really lacked. So I think instead of looking at what more we need, it's moving towards the idea that it already exists. And if tapped into, there's enough for everybody. So this does two interesting things. One, it's not focused on production and growth, but looking at what's underutilized, hmm. which forces you then to relook at what you think you need and what you already have and whether that's been used enough. Hmm. That's interesting. But equally, it doesn't negate production. It acts as a sidekick, which still finds a way to connect people. We connect to resources that we didn't have access to previously because of uh, our circle or our status or even our personality. Yeah, and it's also in this way really addressing something that exists in Auroville where you see that people are together or in groups uh, based on their nationality or how long they've been in Auroville. And while they're maybe sh having sharing circles or deep connections within these groups, they rarely ever break out of their bubbles. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's not just groups, but it's also your personality because we all know in Oroville everything goes wrong with the word of mouth. And some people that cannot speak up, some people that are very introverted, it's hard for them to get access to certain things. Yeah, there's a lack of information basically and hopefully yeah. with what we're doing here we can ease that and um, things like Oronet which tried that, but it's only for Aurovillians and newcomers. So again, there's this groupism thing. So if we can try to make it more inclusive for everybody, I think that would be again working towards so that everyone's on the same page. And this is where I find our project really exciting is that now we can find groups that are doing cool things and we can try to work with them, perhaps through the medium of workshops, like we're trying to start off with doing small workshops with them, we can do workshops to explore things that this app is trying to shift, like how can we be working from a space of abundance instead of scarcity? Why don't we trust our neighbors? Why don't we have the sense of community? We can play with these things while trying to tap onto what is it that animates that specific group. Really, access is the key yeah. to yeah. this point where it's not based on who you know or how long you've been here, but everybody has a shot at just meeting the people yeah. or the things that they need. And if we can get it all centralized into one space, it's also just easier, mm -hmm. um, accessible and easier. But how do you think that people are going to use this app? There is this feeling that we are still very limited with our idea of what is an offering that you could give to people. There's this notion that you need to be good at it or that you need to have professional 
degrees or some kind of a stamp to say that you are certified enough to teach. How can we first play with the idea of what is an offering, how difficult it is to offer your time to others before we could start using an app like this? Yeah, so that's when you uh, start holding workshops with different groups, right? And then you start, you try to help them to stimulate this thought on how they can transfer their hobbies and skills and passion into an offering. That's one thing we're really trying to do is have workshops with different groups and look at how can we play with why is it hard to trust? How can we look at making it easier to offer things? How can we look at what is an offering? Does it need to be based on your skill or does it need to be based on your time or does it just need to be based on goodwill? There's so many different kinds of needs that can be met by different kinds of people. So we're hoping that these workshops could be an opportunity for that. But how do you think this app will be received? I feel like people are already very optimistic about it because uh, a month ago we had this survey and we had to explain to them about this platform a little bit. I feel like they received it really well and they're really excited to like work but, with it. Yeah, but one of the things that we found through the questionnaire was that a lot of people have this time issue. Do we have the time to make for these kind of things? Yeah, time is a, time is a big factor for people. It can really uh, block people from their offering. So one of the major issues we can face uh, with such system is basically individual involvement. This kind of uh, app sustained by yeah, individuals, individuals' offerings. What we're trying to do is to shift that mindset to get people really involved in that kind of Make it a way of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think people are open to it right now, Malcolm? I think that we're going to see resistance on a few levels, mainly that Oroville seem to have an issue with technology in general. The stigma behind uh, money should wash off once people understand that this isn't a an ordinary economy. And like you said, past failures really stain people's, mm. um, stain people's enthusiasm for trying new things. In fact, uh, a lot of the feedback that we got when we did the first phase of FSM during the uh, survey session was that many people thought they had heard this exact thing before and that it had been tried and then that it had failed. But in actuality, as Quentin said, what it requires is this enthusiasm. It requires this perseverance and understanding that what we're doing is something new every single time. So this is what we're trying to do is really address this factor. How can we make people look at this beyond this is just a nice idea to how can they make it a part of their lives? And we're hoping that it can work through workshops where we can really play with why can't people trust each other or why do they look at offerings as only something that they're good at or they would uh, have somebody really... That somebody, that somebody would believe in them and need them. I think, uh, I think what we'll find on a behavioral level during the workshops and even during the later phases when we implement is that people will start to see that the the value of who they are is so incumbently great that they are rich and that they are so rich it will inspire generosity to make others rich the belief in oneself is a contagious thing that once we give people access once we start showing each other how valuable and useful and loved that we all are and how connected we are then this thing will flow it's the beauty of this economy that it doesn't really require skill to to flow what it requires is self-love and connection to the people around you this thing is a tool that helps us connect and it will incumbently be successful 
This is what comes when people love themselves and love each other. It comes to a point of goodness and generosity and sincerity. We listen to each other. We help each other reach our basic needs and even pass those. <laughs> wow, that's, wow. So. that's really inspiring, Malcolm. <laughs> I really hope that listeners feel like joining in on our workshops. But for next time's episode, we're going to call some law school students because we had our very first workshop at law school Woo. this Friday. And we hope they can give you a little idea of how the workshop went and how they felt and whether they would like to do more of it. And hopefully when we're having more workshops out there, you can come and join us. <laughs> so stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye! Ciao for now! Ciao for now! <laughs>